Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast, movie review edition. Yeah. yeah. This is all new content from a Trucker's Mind Podcast. Yeah. And uh, what we'll be doing is just giving some movie reviews. And the topic for the day is the tax collector. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, let's get right into it. Um, watched this movie last night. Me and Keith watched it. And uh, what I'll say personally is I felt it was a decent film. And I'll just go over all the things that I picked up from it. Um, you obviously got David and Creeper as the main characters of the film, mainly David. Um, there's probably some people that were a little upset that Shia LaBeouf wasn't the main character of the film. It was kind of mm-hmm. portrayed that way. This It kind of reminds me of when they did, uh, what's that movie with uh, Cardi B, Edward, the strippers or whatever? Forgot the Hustlers. What, the Hustlers. Like they showed her on the commercial. Mm-hmm. Or in I guess a lot of people, well, she wasn't like the main character or one of the oh, main characters. Okay. She just I had like a cameo that. in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, yeah they be doing that. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that movie, so I, I can't haven't, say it. I haven't seen it either, but my sister did. And she, oh, okay. Yeah, she told me that. Um, I just wanted to see Cardi B ass all day. Yeah, I just want to see that WAP. But no, nah, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a hell of a movie, man. I'll go basically from the very beginning. Um, what I took from the character David is even though David was doing a lot of dirt where, you know, he was collecting taxes and beating people's asses and shooting them and killing them, whatever the case, you didn't really catch all that. You caught a lot of uh, dialogue, like they were in a car talking and it was a pretty smooth film. It wasn't a lot of violence and whatnot, but they did a good job of presenting the idea of violence. Like these guys were about business. Mm -hmm. You know, they were not about like trying to keep the peace. David was way more of a peacemaker, more of a peacekeeper than Creeper, though. Creeper just wanted to kill people. Yeah, he just wanted to kill people. He he was antagonizing and fucking with people mm-hmm. um, in the film. And David was the guy that would say, hey, man, leave him alone. That's not cool. Yeah. You know, um, David had a family, a beautiful wife um, and, and kids in private school and whatnot. And he kept those lives separate. Um, but you can never do the right thing doing the wrong thing. So mm-hmm. that's basically the theme in the movie. Yeah, I think uh, I think the movie kind of starts out as um, that it's I think it was kind of a misdirection in a sense. Right. Because it's like this family. Right. He wakes up with his wife and then, you know, they're cooking breakfast and everything. And then all of a sudden it's like it's the snap into his reality. He's, you know, him and Creeper are riding around collecting all the money from the different uh, gangs and and different people uh, that that are selling drugs and whatnot. Right. and then from there, he kind of gets involved in, uh, you know, certain situations where basically the sins of his father come back to bite him in the butt. Right. And then, you know, in turn, he has to pay for it and his, his family uh, and so on and so forth. Um, I thought the movie was I thought it was a, uh, I thought the movie was OK. It, it didn't it didn't cert- certain instances I had like a an emotional uh, connection with some of the scenes. Right. And then other times I was just like, oh, okay, this, this is just all right. Um, right. I thought they did a good job of just um, making those, those certain points. Like, you know, when certain people died or when certain people, even good filmmaking is even um, things where you feel like some sort of emotional connection to somebody um, being tortured. Right, it's, it's hard to make that look real. Right, and they were able to, you know, in certain certain like when Shia LaBeouf was getting his face stomped in, like, yeah, you really feel like, God dang, like, yeah. oh my God, this this is hurting hurting me to watch. So, yeah. um, it was a lot of good a lot of good things. It, visually, it was a I thought it was a really good movie. Visually, like a lot of the 
that as, as far as like cinematography, they did a lot of cool things. Like when um, I think Conejo and uh, David, they're sitting in that, I don't know if, if it was like a kitchen area or whatever it was, but yeah. they, it was certain some cool where they had like the light, they had like almost like a like the light was focused on their eyes. It was, it was like a weird thing. I don't know if you, like whoever sees the movie, you could see that it's like some film, you know, nerd stuff, some like cinematography stuff, yeah. but just like, it was dope visual elements in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll let you I didn't pick that up at all. Mm-hmm. I, I, I well, But the thing is, is like Keith is looking at this from a different vantage point. Like mm-hmm. he's in it. So he's going to see certain stuff. Mm-hmm. What I seen in that scene, what, or what I picked up in it, where they first had met Cornejo or I believe that was his name, Cornejo. Um, the guy came off as this super like big shot, like I'm running stuff. And they're like, okay, we seen motherfuckers like this before. Who really are you? Yeah. And when he explained to his, to his uncle, his Theo in the movie who was, uh, uh, George, George Lopez. Lopez. Yeah. And, and basically his uncle was like, kind of like treading lightly. He's like, you're scared of him, aren't you? And he's like, I ain't scared, puto. Yeah. <laughs> and then he tried to get up and leave. He's like, you don't fucking leave till I tell you you can leave. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. So, basically um you seen it the guy i guess he had been like gone for like 10 years mm-hmm. so he was like a ghost and then he like just popped up he just came back yeah so yeah that was in george lopez just the just by the way he reacted you could tell that uh conejo was a factor right right but you know david being so young he wasn't really familiar with with him as a person he just thought it was Cause when he left, he was like, "Yo, you know, you 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 made a you made a mistake. Like, you don't really know who I am, and I don't know who you are. But whoever you are, you made a mistake." And then he goes back and he talks to his uncle, who was George Lopez, about it. And then he didn't really get the the uh, conversation that he really wanted to. Right. He was like, "Oh, you ain't trying to like you know go get him right now. Like you must be scared." And then yeah. and all that played out. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um. And in regards, I don't want to bounce around, but it's all going to come together anyways. Um, but in regards to Creeper, um, Creeper was always down for anything in the movie. Like, yeah, they were both fearless. David was more the one that used his brain. But when they met Cornejo or whatever, uh, Creeper was just sitting there ready to shoot. Yeah. The whole time he just standing there ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then it was another scene where like, well, it was in the same scene after they were walking off. And they just start knocking shit down. You see that? Mm-hmm. They just walking and knocking shit over. Yeah. Because they're basically like, we don't give a fuck. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was. Creeper was trying to go. Yeah, that's it. That's he's all they want to do. Yeah, he's very stoic. You know, in, in, in all the scenes where there was a, a meeting between whomever Creeper would call, always kind of stand back and just kind of ha- have his arms folded. Right. Um, ready to go. Right. And then uh, I forget what after which scene, but they had left from somewhere and he was describing all the guns and stuff. He had yeah, like, I got like, one I got, in my ankle. I got one right here, yeah. one right here, one right here. Got a shot in the trunk. I got yeah, a Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm ready to go, homie. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he was, it, it excites him. Mm-hmm. So you, you learn that, that death or, or hurting people excites him. Yeah. And then what was crazy is it's like, he was a multi-layered person. He wasn't just this cold person because he ate a good diet. Yeah, and he talked about his diet and He's how on a keto diet. Yeah, he mm-hmm. talked about how it it was fuel to him and how it fueled him up. Mm-hmm. So you would you wouldn't think that a person that's like doing what that guy was doing, killing people, doing all that shit, yeah. that they would really care about a diet because he's like, hey, hey, fool, just why don't you just stop and get some burritos? He's like, I ain't eating that bullshit. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that was that was pretty cool too to catch that. And then also there was so many layers to both characters because David did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. So they both had things that balanced them out. Yeah. They both had these, um, I forgot, like these outlets. And I think that David's outlet was Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. And it, it allowed him to really think while he was being like, whether he was being dominated in a match yeah. or whatever. Because when he was being dominated at the end before he killed Cornejo, he had that thing over his face and he just was thinking about him uh, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu mm-hmm. and how he kind of um, channeled that calm that allowed him to react yeah and it's almost like even though he had the blindfolds on his face he remember where that that piece of broken um yeah. uh what do you call that like uh, porcelain the porcelain he remember where that mm-hmm. porcelain brick was mm-hmm. and he was able to use that to his defense yeah so that was yeah that was really cool man Just, i think when it when it comes to uh screenwriting a lot of uh good screenwriters at least they do things like that so they'll right. have that that gangster that's very artistic or there you you know, go. That, that stripper that's actually, um, you know, like a good businesswoman, you know, something just right. to kind of like, it just makes the, makes the characters, um, that much more interesting. Cause it's real life actually. You know, when you think about certain people, there's probably, you know, there's a guy like Nipsey Hussle who's, you know, you know, rolling, rolling sixties, but he's also very smart. There you go. Guy, so tech savvy and whatnot. So, um, that's that's one one of those elements that a lot of a lot of right. good screenwriters use. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. I think that especially the uh, the um, the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right. how it kind of it basically saved his life. Right, and, exactly. Uh, it's something that he he was able to use, and like you said, it kind of uh, keep him level headed. And you know, they had the flashback right there, and it, it you know it essentially saved his life. So that was yeah. that was pretty dope. Oh yeah, I think. I hope I'm using the right diction, but basically these guys had these multi, like multifaceted, like yeah, um, elements to them. That, yeah, that kind of helped them in their line of business, mm-hmm. which their business was just collecting taxes and killing people. Yeah, but you can't just be a cold, calculated killer. You have to have something to balance you. David had Brazilian jiu-jitsu and his family, mm-hmm. and he had God. So even though yeah. he was a killer. He just, he believed in God and he prayed and he also talked to Creeper and said that like he had two different lives mm-hmm. and that's what helped him out. And Creeper's like, dang, fool, I don't know how you do it, fool. Yeah. You know what was dope about Shia LaBeouf is I knew he was going to kill that role as soon as he's like, hey, what's up, fool? <laughs> 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 when he did that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is Shia LaBeouf doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That was um that was one of the elements in there as far as it's, it was like this... uh this undertone of like Christianity versus like the evils of the world. Right. Um, Cause David, you know, like I said, he's, he's a vet, f- very family oriented man. He's in there praying with his, with his family and whatnot. And um, you know, every time he kisses his children, he does a little, you know, yeah. little cross on his on head. Forehead, just a, yeah. a thing that they, they have and his kids are even in Catholic school and versus um Conejo who's just a devil. he ends up yeah he's in, he ends up you know doing some type of ritual yeah, or seance chi- or something cutting and, chicken's heads off sacrificing yeah, women yeah 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 so all that kind of stuff was was going on and even even that dynamic um between him and Creeper and I don't necessarily think he was trying to uh bring Creeper to God but he, there was conversations about like how right. 
they are different in how, you know, how how David's lifestyle is uh, conducive for him. So. Right. I think Creeper had mentioned in the movie, God ain't real, bro. Like, he yeah. mentioned that God wasn't real. Mm-hmm. So I think that also, that allowed Creeper to be heartless. Yeah. He, 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 he like, he basically weaponized that. Like, yeah. But God isn't real anyways. Mm-hmm. There was a scene at the beginning that kind of really set the tone for Creeper also, where they were having a conversation with that guy at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, what you heard about me? He's like, I heard you're the devil. He's mm-hmm. like, I might be, right? Mm-hmm. But then the dude, they were scaring the shit out of that guy. And they said something like, he said, we don't give a fuck if you got to get, say your grandma's pussy or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then one of the dudes start giggling. Mm-hmm. And then Tre- Creeper walked up to him with a, with a with a drill. And he's like, he put it towards his chest. Yeah. Like he's from the killing. Like, this is business. This is not fucking funny. So he put the drill to the guy's chest. And then he stepped on his shoe. And he's like, my bad. Yeah. Like basically like like I just stepped on your shoe. So it was it was like you disrespected what we're doing and you supposed to be with us or you whoever he was with. I think he was in the other dude's crew. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just kind of set the tone for his character as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh Shia LaBeouf definitely did a good job. It's interesting I was I was seeing some rumors going around about uh Shia LaBeouf potentially being in a in a in a Marvel movie or X-Men movie or something like that. Oh wow. And um, I don't know how much, you know, merit there is to it. Sometimes these rumors be correct. Sometimes they be way off. But it's just interesting to see how he was. Shia LaBeouf was is kind of able to kind of climb back into this uh, into the forefront of, of you know, acting now. You know, he, he did a couple of movies after he kind of got banned from Hollywood. But at the right. end of the day, like at the end of the day, talent is talent. Talent is talent. So Shia LaBeouf is a hard working SOB, man. This yeah. guy did Honey Boy. What's the other one he did? This this his three. It's this one, Honey Boy, and he had one more recently. It's three of them. I don't know. Fuck. I remember what it's called. Somebody at they said, Hey, you should watch this movie. But it's Shia like LaBeouf three within the last yeah, with well, three within the, like the last year and a half. That's great. Well, they came out in the last they year. Came, and exactly. Who knows when they shot when they when they shot them. Because yeah. they could take one, two years mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, yeah and he Buff. really got that tattoo. Yeah, he did. It's nuts. It's part of the road. That's a no, no, no. He's a, we talked to Caesar about it, you know, a few yeah. weeks ago. But definitely, he's a guy that's uh, really living it. Right. You know, he's not taking acting as serious to him. And if you watch Honey Boy, that's an element that is in Honey Boy as right. far as like he, he, he. I don't know if he even knows how to separate um, his his real life from the acting world. And I think that right. was one of the one of the themes in Honey Boy, and, um, and you just, you see it on display here. Like, you really got a tattoo of, that say, Creeper, Creeper. across it. It's yeah, like, but that's his life, so he probably sees it as, this is my art, this is the part of my art. Yeah. You know, so he took I don't it know to, if it's a conscious thing. I think it's a subconscious thing. Possibly. Yeah. Who knows? All I know is, it, is it all, it's all conducive to um, playing the roles that he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, a question I had asked, I asked it on Instagram before we start shooting this. I just said, like, I wanted to reach out to the Mexican delegation and say, so the Mexican how, delegation. how do you feel about Shia LaBeouf playing a, like a Mexican character? And you said, it's not really a Mexican character. Yeah. And I said, well, you think about it. His name is Creeper. He's rolling around and they basically work for a cartel. So, mm-hmm. um, that I would assume that this is a Mexican character. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is like I asked basically, is there a, do you find an issue with someone that is playing a person of color? Nobody had a problem with it. And I think that that has to do with him um, basically doing a good job. 
you know, it's not so much a good job of him portraying a Mexican person, but him portraying that role in which he is, um, is like he basically is crazy, Mm -hmm. but he, he can, here's the thing too. There's such a wide spectrum of people of color as well. So I know a lot of Mexican people that also can look like they could be white or they could be dark like me and Keith. You know what I mean? And there's so many shades of these people. And sometimes you don't know if somebody's white or if they're Mexican or if somebody is black or if they're like Puerto Rican or something. Mm -hmm. So I think that to say he was doing brown face or something, that's kind of, that's kind of a reach. I've seen that too. Like I I have a cousin that's, uh, well, he's half Mexican. And Mm -hmm. he said that him and all his friends were offended by it. I'm thinking like, what? That's so that's the problem I have. I, I don't think that, um, I don't think it's okay for a white guy in Shia LaBeouf to play a Mexican character because that's that's what it is. It is brown face. Um, so but I don't think that they especially David Ayers, who's the director of it. And mm-hmm. I don't know. He, to, to me, he looks white, mm-hmm. um, especially in 2020. I just don't think that somebody would be stupid enough to mm-hmm. to make uh, to have white characters playing uh, cultures or ethnicities or races that they are not. Um, but that's why I was saying during the movie, it doesn't seem like he doesn't speak Spanish in the movie. No, he, he just, to me comes off as a person, a white kid that grew up around a lot of Mexicans, but I don't know. I, to so for, I can't speak for Mexicans, but for me, if, um, I don't know what the equivalent would be, but maybe, maybe, a uh, like a, a Arab guy or a, a darker skin, uh, Hispanic character if they were to play a black character um and it would it's known and noted in the movie that they were that they were playing um a black character i would have a problem with it because there's black people that could play that role yeah they could but could they do it better than that guy i think that at the end of the day the art speaks more than anything else so from a literal standpoint you could say hey i have a i have a problem with it because they could there is a mexican guy they could have did that could have did the job. And I agree with that hundred percent. But when it comes down to the talent level and also how much is there a disparity from how he looks versus how you've seen other people look like it's not really about the look though. It's about the culture. And it's, it's about the, what you really are. hundred percent. That, I mean, from a literal yeah. sense, that makes sense. That's true. But there's, there's a white character out there. There's a uh, Leonardo DiCaprio or, whomever that is probably a better actor than, you know, a large portion of black actors out there. But would it be okay if he just put on uh, brown paint on his face and he played whatever role? If they switched Denzel Washington out with Leonardo DiCaprio and he put on brown face and he did a better job than Denzel Washington, does that make it okay just because he's a better actor? But he didn't have to put on brown face though. So that's where the disparity lies is as, you know, with him, he didn't have to put on a brown face. It's not a large, it's not a big stretch from him actually looking the, the part, even though he's not literally Mexican. Yeah. Now, Leonardo DiCaprio would have to be a big stretch. He would literally have to go through a tanning bed and get an afro and shit, and that's just not going to work. But if you could, if there was a, a person who was more culturally close to someone that is black, yeah, and they played the role and nobody really said nothing, you'd be like, he played, did a good job. Now, We'll bounce it back to Tropic Thunder, where there was a, it was like a satirical undertone in that movie, mm-hmm. which was very noted in the film. Yeah, where he was like 
he was like, I'm the dude playing the dude. And yeah. Which me, I didn't even care. Like me and my dad laughed at it, but it's because of how they, how they framed it. Yeah. And I think that they did a good job of framing, um, uh, Shia LaBeouf in this movie where it wasn't over the top. Like he didn't do something in this movie that made me be like, oh man, he just, he's portraying people the wrong way. Even though I'm not Mexican, I still think that he didn't do an overreach in the film. Yeah. I just, th- I just feel like no other player should play. It's just, it's not a problem with, um, like I don't have a problem with Shia LaBeouf playing that character. Cause I, but I also don't think he was Mexican, but right. even if so, it's not about 2020 or about Shia LaBeouf and the tax collector. It's about the historical context of it. So for me, I just don't, knowing that um, throughout history and the history of cinema and the history of, uh, you know, minstrel shows and all this, there's no, for no reason should anyone ever play a culture or an ethnicity or a race that they're not. Even there was um, a movie that Angelina Jolie played. She played like a biracial woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. It came out like maybe the early 2000s. And mm-hmm. there was an uproar about that. Like it just it just shouldn't happen. It's not there's there's so many actors in the world. And there's even so, like I said, I don't think Shia LaBeouf was playing a Mexican. But even if so, there's so just me knowing that I've been to, you know, different theaters and seeing just random actors on on stage and stage plays and it's just so many people in america there's so many actors in the world yeah for it to boil down to having a white person play a mexican i just don't see why they would do that but films are also about investments right yeah so would you invest on a wild card or invest on shia labeouf so you you have to look at it from that sense also you're right but multiple things could be true films are about investments and they know that when shia labeouf comes to to do his role, he's going to do that role justice or as close to it or as best as he can. So when you get a guy like him to come in there, you're like, okay, now we could give this role to, and also it's to draw people in. So if you take, you got David's character who did a great fucking job, by the way. But if you take Shia LaBeouf completely out of the movie, you take away the buzz. Yeah. You, you take the buzz completely away. You got George Lopez in it, which would be probably the biggest, like, I won't say the biggest. Yeah, he's the biggest well-known person besides Shia LaBeouf in that film. Yeah. So I think it was dope. And and who knows the real like I'm not going to say he was it was his way of paying homage. But um, I do think if you're going to have a film like this for future reference, preferably it would be better to have it be a cast, a whole cast of Mexican people. Yeah. Like I think they they deserve to have their whole. It's almost like how Black Panther was for black people. But they did. I mean, they, that's my problem with the 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 um, I think I first of all think that should they should have made it more clear. Mm-hmm. Like, is he Mexican or is he not Mexican? That's a good point. And then secondly, I, I have a problem with it because it's, they always have the white savior in the movie, mm-hmm. like the movie Lowriders. He wasn't the savior. He got fucked. not a savior, but I'm saying a savior <laughs> in the sense of, uh-huh. you know, having the white the white guy in the movie. But mm-hmm. even in the movie Lowriders, they had it's strictly about Mexican culture skateboarding, low riders, cars, car mm-hmm. clubs and stuff like that. And then right. the guy has a white girlfriend. Uh, so it's just like, it's just that same sort of thing, which yeah. it just gets annoying. Yeah. You know what? And this is to prove Keith's point. And this is why people should think about this. When you think about movies that have been um, like historically have been like white. If you watch a movie that has nothing but white people in it, you're not going to think twice. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it was a good film. But when you watch a movie that's black or brown or whatever the case, there was some other movies, too. Like, I think the Joy Joy Luck Club, 
mm-hmm. that was all like Asian. Um, mm-hmm. And there's other movies like that. And I think it's good to have those films and those films should also be celebrated because it's someone else's culture. Yeah. You know, and if you have someone else's culture, I'm not saying that you shouldn't like um, integrate other like racial backgrounds in the film, but like you also got to let people have their space. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that movie could have, this movie could have been celebrated amongst the Mexican community instead of really having Shia LaBeouf in. Mm-hmm. I just still don't think Shia LaBeouf did the movie a disservice. Yeah. Um, but that's coming from a black man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I did a poll before the, the, this podcast to check with people like, Hey, I want to reach out to y'all, see how you think. Mm-hmm. And nobody, everybody's saying, no, does not have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. So even uh, Caesar, well, I want to hear what Caesar has to say about it and how, I, and how he, from what I've seen, he liked it. Cause I posted about it and he like hearted it. And I think he, I don't know if he said anything. Yeah, I want to hear some words. But, yeah, but I'm sure he, but from an artistic uh, stance, he, yeah. he really respects Shia LaBeouf also. Yeah. He was going to those all those seminars and stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, it would be, it would sure would be cool if we had like a little, what do you call it, like a little phone-in thing with Caesar. Mm-hmm. That'd be dope. But yeah, I, I overall think it was a great film. Um, but there's so many more elements that we just skipped. That um, was, um, that was a, uh, I have some, some things I wanted to say. Uh, hold on. Yeah, Keith's trying to figure his phone out. Oh, one thing that I thought was cool was um. So for me, the movie was like, it was like, certain certain things would happen. I'd be like, yo, this is this is good, and it, it affected me on an emotional <coughs> level. That's right. kind of how I I decipher movies. Like, mm-hmm. there's a technical side where there's you know good cinematography, good storytelling, and all this stuff. But then there's this this human being side of me that's right. like. Do I have an emotional attachment to the characters? Right. Like, is it is these scenes exciting? All these things. Um, and one of the things that I thought was was really dope was um, when he was laying in the bed with uh, David was laying in the bed with his what is what's his girl's name? With his wife, I forgot her name. She was beautiful. It's, though. it's not Angelica. Some something I, along those lines. I can't but, remember. Um, but basically, he was laying in the bed with his wife, and then he kind of woke her up because she was sleeping, and he said uh, he asked her. He was like, "What are?" She had a dream. No, not that. Not that one. Oh. No, he was like, um, he said, "Why?" Basically, what did you? What drew you to me, or something like oh, that? Do you remember that conversation? Yeah. I remember the conversation yeah. about her dad. And yeah, and she, so he told this whole story, <coughs> or she told this whole story about how basically he wanted she he she knew that he was this badass in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. so she wanted him to, to protect her from his yeah. dad, yeah. yeah, or her dad, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, but the interesting thing about that is like. That's something that maybe a person, in, a normal person in his uh, position would be excited about. Like, yo, you 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 loved me for being who I am. Right. But in reality, he kind of felt bad because he was right. like, you're like everyone else. You just wanted something from me. You wanted me. something from me. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that felt, um, it was interesting to me because, you know, sometimes in, you and I could both relate. It's like sometimes you feel like. You just want to be a normal person and you just want to, you know, live your life, do your work, do your podcast and all these things. Right. But people constantly need something. They constantly need something from yeah. you. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, too, is this, her devotion to David was pretty, pretty uh, profound yeah. where like even though he was doing the wrong things, how much she was in and in involved with it, where she counted the money out. She had it on the bed. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, what do you want me to do, baby? Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And, you know, then she just took over and made that phone call, mm-hmm. you know, to his dad. 
and he talked to her, but she, you know, he, she, he didn't talk to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, fuck. Because his own pops would have took him out if he had to. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. that was sent, the whole movie, he, he hadn't talked to his dad, huh? He hadn't talked to his dad. No, his dad didn't talk to him. Yeah. Um, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. But like her devotion to David was, it was almost like it, the beautiful thing about it was, is even though he was doing the wrong thing, she she loved him for his heart. Like, yeah. Um, and you could tell, like, he started developing these patterns throughout the film where he was the peacemaker and the devil at the same time. Oh, yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. where there was one scene where this guy was getting tattoos on his back and uh, Creeper took the gun from the guy and said, let me get that gun. He's like, I always wanted to do this. So basically he was not really tattooing the guy's back. He just was kind of like going over the line, but he's going mm-hmm. over it again. But he was being a dickhead. Yeah. And um, the guy that was getting a tattoo had explained the story to David, which was like a hardship in his family. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was like, all right, Creeper, hey, hey, cut it out, man. Yeah. Cut it out. And then uh, basically they left. And then when they left, he said, hey, what the fuck are you doing, man? Why did you do that? Yeah. That, you hear what the, that guy went through something with his family. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and then basically Creeper just kind of like brushed it off. Um, and then there was another occasion where he had to tell Creeper to chill the fuck out. Yeah. There was two. I forgot the second one. That was a, um, I think David had a, has a, like a Michael Corleone right. element to him. Yeah. Was, you know, Mike Corleone comes from the army or whatever and he's yeah. home and all of a sudden you just kind of get engulfed in the family business. Right. So I think that's kind of what happened to, with David as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what happened with David. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the thing about it too, he, he was very collected, yeah. um, even through the chaos and there were certain deeds he did. There was one scene also where the they said, "Hey, we got a side gig." So they met. They met up, and it was these dudes. It's like a street gang. Like it was like a Mexican street gang, mm-hmm. and they had this black dude. I think he was a blood, and they had beat his ass. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, the uh, David was like, "What the fuck is this? What's going on?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "This dude has slept with the homie's girl, and you know, you know." Uh, sending uh, send all kind of sexting to her and all this shit. Mm-hmm. He said, what the fuck is this shit, man? This ain't, this isn't got nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, we do business with the bloods. You clean that dude up and we got to take him back to his family. Mm-hmm. Right. So basically like he was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You're bringing attention to something that doesn't need attention. Yeah. So it has he, nothing to do with our drug deals and nothing, nothing, getting money, nothing, nothing, some personal issues. Yeah. And then they ended up beating the dude's ass that it started yeah. the shit. <laughs> And then they dropped the black dude off to his neighborhood and the shot caller for the bloods, uh, they had met up and he just like let him know like, hey, man, this was going on. We just wanted to drop him off. Mm-hmm. And then, OK, from that point, um, everybody in that hood was like, what the fuck is this? The bloods started to try to press him. Yeah, they, they wanted to press him. But the dude was like, "Uh, uh-uh, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a good dude. So he told him what had happened. And then later on, you seen that the shot caller for the bloods when they had killed David's wife. Um, and they had his kids. He was like, hold on. This is a good man right here. He's like, I wouldn't I wouldn't ask y'all to join in on nothing. This is completely voluntary. But, you know, this is a good man. They got his family. And he was like, shit, I'm down with the bullshit. Yeah. So basically your loyalty and respect for people can pay you back. Yeah. So I think these are all even though this was a movie about gangsters and killing and shit, mm-hmm. there was still like um, things that are parallel in the world. Meaning if you treat people with respect and you eventually need them, they will be there for you. Mm -hmm. So by David having um, a moral compass and actually having respect for people, Mm -hmm. it paid him back in the end because they went back and they was able to get Cornejo and, you know, uh, get his kids back and shit. Yeah. So that was actually a a pretty good Mm -hmm. element of the film. Yeah. I I think one thing, too, is that um, 
it kind of, um, I kind of related to, but it was this weird thing. I think, I think the whole time he was his, his David held his dad in such a high regard. He was right. so scared of him and everything. Right. And then at the end they had that conversation uh, and yeah. I don't remember the words exactly, but it was kind of like, you freed me. You yeah. S- you saved me. Yeah. 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 And it was just, it was like this whole time David has probably been in fear of his father when David's father is not the big entity that he thought he was. He right. Was somebody that had had somebody else. He basically was head. handing him the power at the end. I think. I That's think. what it seemed like. It yeah. seemed like um, like I don't want this. He's like it's, it's on you now. He's like I don't want it. I want her. Yeah, he wanted his family. His, he, wanted, he lost his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind. I think that's kind of what it felt like too. Is that. David was blaming his dad for all of this. Yeah. You know, it's like, yo, if I, if you never would have, you know, brought me along in this, you know, this whole drug thing, then, you know, I would have been at a lovely family and kids. And I feel like in his heart, heart, heart of hearts, he really wanted that. He really wanted yeah. to ride off into the sunset and just have a, you know, a, a small, you know, a family and, and, and live his life. But he was, you know, he had one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. Um. Oh, in the movie, her, uh, David's wife's name was uh, Alexa Alexa Cuevas, oh, Alexis okay. Cuevas. Um, at the end, David went to go get that barrel of money. It was one point five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Him and Creeper, Creeper, had, uh, uh, stolen from an armored truck back in the day, and I guess they had stole that money, and he had it in uh, on the it side ready of the, to go, ready to go on the side mm-hmm. of the house. One thing about that is, um, I was thinking about Nipsey Hussle's story. I was oh, like, yeah. that money would have rotted. Yeah, that, that money was in perfect but shape. But I don't know how they buried it though, because he pulled a drum out. Yeah, that was in a drum. Cause but even I've I've had, um, and this is not the same situation. But I put money in like a jar, like a yeah. a glass jar that I had um, like juice in or something like that, uh-huh. and I just stuck the money in there and it molded. So you put the money in a juice? No, not in juice. I'm fucking with you, man. <laughs> it was just a jar, and I tight, I sealed it tight and everything, and it, oh. it still molded. So. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I don't know. It depends though, too. If you if you uh, shrink dry it. I mean, not shrink dry, but shrink wrap it or whatever. Who knows? I don't know how to make money last at the end of the day because condensation, weather change, all that matters. Uh, you know that Pablo Escobar lost m- millions of dollars just rats, b- huh? because rats was eating mm-hmm. it and it was molding and things of that nature because he had too much money. He was worth hundreds of billions of dollars back then, mm-hmm. which is insane. Mm-hmm. There's people that there's people that are still finding Pablo Escobar's money. You know that, right? Really? They're still finding it. There was an article I seen. This guy was, I think it was like a farmer or something. He mm-hmm. was digging a hole and he hit something, pulled it up, and there was a bunch of fucking money. A drum full of money and the money was good. Really? Oh, yeah. That's insane, man. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we got kind of off track. But basically, David's sister at the end of the movie said, hey, don't let Alexis get involved in the family business. To me, that was kind of weird to say because she was already, she's already, in she was the, already counting money. So. Yeah, she was already involved. That was yeah. too late. She's a part of the family. Yeah. So I don't know. Sometimes they make mistakes in uh in in film. And I, maybe <laughs> maybe it was a thing to where like she didn't know. Right. But it was like she was yeah she was fully aware. She was reading the little messages and making sure the money was accounted for and everything. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Like you're um, a little late, sis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it seemed like the whole family was complicit in it. Even the girl that was kind of like irresponsible, the one that was always the, the one that cousin. was on, yeah, the cousin that was on mm-hmm. a motorcycle and she was drinking and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like she handed him a gun at the end. He said, "This guy got, got a lot of bodies on it." Yeah. And she gave him that gun. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, it. I it, just I wish I knew more about. Um, you kind of get a, a gist of, of David's younger self, you right? Know, actually, 
based on the conversation that we talked about before. Right. Um, basically, you know, he was, he's been a knucklehead his whole life. Right. Um, but we don't hear much about uh, Shia LaBeouf or Creeper's character. Right. Because right. one thing I noticed, and you'll notice when you watch the movies, he has cauliflower in his ear. Yes, he does. It's so awesome. I was wondering, you know, like, dang, where does that come from? Was he a wrestler? Was, you know, was it, was that's he boxing a good point. or something that's like that? That's a hell of a point. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a great point. Wow. Damn, I didn't think I remember seeing his ear with cauliflower because he naturally he doesn't have that mm-hmm. unless Charlotte. No, Shia LaBeouf doesn't have cauliflower. Mm-hmm. No. Wow. I don't know what the hell that's from. I know he didn't do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu also. He wasn't the one in uh, with David. No. Uh-uh. Mm, there's just so many things that are probably left out. There are probably scenes that were deleted in there. Yeah. I think that what would be good is like a, this movie can easily have a prequel. Yeah, this that'd movie, be dope. The movie could very easily have a prequel, which which, which kind of goes into a deeper um, um, description of not only Creeper, but David, yeah, right? Yeah. I think that those are the two main characters that matter the most. And just do like a little cameo of Cornejo, right? Because he's been missing for 10 years, they said. Mm-hmm. So basically the conversation can be about Cornejo, like, yeah, that fool bounced over, you know, this and that. He this and then I think he died out. Nobody knows what happened to him. He's, yeah. a, he's a ghost. So it kind of gives context to Cornejo and who he is and, yeah. you know, and what happened. So nobody really knows. And then it could also, George Lopez character, he'll probably be more like a badass younger dude, you know, uh, like a boss. Because uh, his his uncle is the, the the shot caller. Well, David's dad. That's his that's, brother. That's his brother, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think, um, I think this movie... I think the problem, the real problem with it is that it is a movie. True. I think nowadays these type of, um, I think they made, they made the world too big to be um, a two hour movie. Right. I think if this was a series, if it was That's a great something along point. the lines of a power or oh my you know, God. the great Sopranos point. or something, I think that great they could really point. get into the stories. Um, yeah. But yeah, sometimes what, what happens with movies is... The story is just too big. I think people shouldn't be afraid to make a three-part series movie. They shouldn't be afraid to do it. The yeah. way the way the world is going, it would make it would give enough context. Especially since it was, well, they wouldn't have known beforehand. But if they knew that, you know, it was going straight to Amazon or right, something like that, that right. would have been dope. Right, because we would have known everything about Creeper. We would have known everything about David, the family, mm-hmm. the family business. We would have known more about his dad. Yeah, his dad was like this mystical, like. You know, this guy that was in the prison cell that mm-hmm. we don't really know. There's not much context of who he was. Yeah. You kind of had to just kind of throw your, you know, like you had to kind of uh, create this idea of who David's dad was. Yeah. You just knew. He, yeah. Like I said, you just knew he's a shot caller. Yeah. You know, yeah. When, sometimes when I watch a movie, I can tell that um, the way I describe it to people, I was like, there's a great version of that movie somewhere in there. And like sometimes, like you said, with the editing and stuff, things might have to get taken out. You know, who knows what happens on the day of, you know, shooting or whatever, or what, you know, in order to fit into that time frame, you just got to chop stuff up. So I think yeah. there's a good, a great version of that. Shout movie out, there. shout out to Kara. She just sent me a message on Instagram and said, Kara, she said he wasn't playing a Mexican character. He was playing a white guy that grew up with Mexicans. That's why uh, David's cousin called him Johnny Cash. That yeah, see. So that could be, but that's still that's a great point. But that still doesn't mean anything, because I know I know people that get pet names all the time. Yeah. So, but that's a great point. Yeah, it, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just opinion. The yeah. the only person that really knows is probably Shia LaBeouf and David Ayer, right. the guy that wrote it. So, that yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's yeah, that's true. But it's not. It's, but I but I do think that though, like when you're watching when you're watching a movie and there's um, a lot of things are not specifically said, um, that changes your perspective on the movie. Right. So if I so me watching the movie the whole time, I'm like, oh, it's just a white guy that grew up around Mexicans, and then from you know someone else's perspective, if they think Shia LaBeouf is Mexican and he's actually white in real life. That will, um, they may dislike the movie just based on that kind of thing. So mm. they're watching the movie the whole time, like, oh, this is stupid. Like, he, does, he doesn't even have a good accent. Like, that right. kind of thing. So. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. But I think anybody, I mean, anybody though, like, if, if, the, if he's just a white guy that's playing a character that grew up around Mexican people, I think that you kind of adapt to your surroundings. Mm-hmm. So if you take a white guy that grows up with nothing but black people, I've seen this many times. Mm-hmm. nothing but black people let's say they live in atlanta or somewhere they're not trying to act black that's who they are yeah so there's a big difference if you grow up in east la your whole life and you're white you're not trying to be mexican yeah you're just adapted to your to you know and you're engulfed in the culture yeah like you're immersed excuse me in the culture so who's a who's a more of a like a pop like a a celebrity or like a white celebrity that you feel that way about, like maybe grew up a, around a bunch of black people. Paul like, Wall, the rapper. Paul Wall, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. He's not Paul trying Wall. to be black at all. That's just the that's way just he who is. he is. Yeah. His wife is black. Everything. Yeah. You know, so it that's just people need to understand. Is a lot of times people like white people ain't trying to act black. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just they have adopted they have adapted to their, you know, um, their surroundings. Yeah. Like it, when I was a kid, I lived in Delano for seven years. And my dad said, before we moved, I started developing an accent, mm-hmm. like like a legitimate accent, because all of my friends were either Mexican or Filipino. Yeah, I was the only like one of the only black kids in the whole town. Mm-hmm. So you start to speak with your friends who are Spanish speaking in, in English. And when you start to replicate the, you know, um, you start to replicate behaviors and yeah. um, even conversation. Yeah. And, and, and that's and when it's from a cultural standpoint, you don't realize how it's affecting you. Even yeah. If it's not it's not something bad, but it happens. Me yeah. and my sister were the same way. Before we moved from Delano, we both started developing accents. That's crazy. Yeah. And there's, it, there's a lot of uh, black kids that like you're talking about, you know, growing up around Hispanics, but mm-hmm. black kids, even in Bakersfield. Right. Like you could be in Bakersfield where it's, you know. There's a cultural melting pot, but if you live on a certain type, side of town, great point. Through your whole life, you go into school with none but white people. Right, that's Southwest. a good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we seen those those black guys that uh, uh, grew up over there, and then they went to Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> they got the perms. <laughs> What's up, man? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, dude. After work, dude. I mean, after school, we're gonna fucking you're gonna over there and get some burgers, dude. You yeah. come back. Got the little and it, high shorts on. And I went to BHS, so I was like, hey, what's up, bro? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, just like a, it sounds like an over-the-top accent, but it's really not. That's just them. Like, when you hang around a bunch of guys and you guys wear polo t-shirts and go to golf courses. Yeah. How the fuck are you supposed to sound, man? I was thinking about that uh, the other day. <laughs> I was like, man, like, I... I I have to find a way for my, and there's nothing wrong with those kids. No, not at all. No. Went to Liberty and Stockdale and stuff like that. But I just have to find a way for my child to, uh, to just understand their own culture. A hundred percent. Not like just solely influenced by these preppy 
white kids or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, so, but so, hopefully, like sports is the the muse that. Could there kinda, you go. You know, yeah, sports is usually the muse. It's usually the setting to uh, be a melting pot. Yeah, uh, but it depends on what school you go to. Because if you go to Liberty or you go to Centennial, there's not going to be a lot of black yeah. kids on that team. Yeah. But if you go to Bakersfield High School, if you go to East High School, if you go to mm-hmm. Foothill, if you go to Golden Valley, schools like that, you're more or less likely going to have more Hispanic, white, black. Everybody's going to be on the same team. Mm-hmm. So not only at that, that you get a chance to really um, understand people's cultures. Like, oh, what kind of what do you put in your hair, man? Was that yeah. wave? Oh, that's wave grease. What's wave? <laughs> you got a wave cap on? What's up Is that, with that Murray's, man? bro? Yeah. Is that Murray's, bro? <laughs> That's why when you when you when you're around like some white dudes that been around a lot of black guys and they'll say some shit and it'd be funny and it's yeah. it's funny because it's spoken from a historical <laughs> like not historical but from a um from a a, 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 a ethnic background uh reason yeah yeah I like, know exactly what you're talking you know about. what I mean yeah. like they'll be like hey man you better take it easy on that Murray's bro. <laughs> <laughs> I like guess racist, but it's funny. No, nah, it's funny. It's it's just funny because it's it's not racist. If if if, if it was racist, it would come from a completely culturally clueless standpoint. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, that's funny. Yeah, I wish I knew a little bit more about uh, what I can say is I wish I knew a little bit more about Creeper's character. Yeah. Uh, overall, but I did like the movie. They did a good job putting a lot of elements in there. A lot of beautiful Mexican women in the movie. That was uh, that was a, a good uh, yeah. That was it was a lot of beautiful. Just overall, like the just yeah. the beautiful cast. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really good to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, now we'll go into ratings. You know, um, I will give that movie. What, we, what is the rating system now? Before we, we let's start to like structure this. Okay, just to figure out how we're gonna uh, <laughs> do it from now. Like, what is okay. our? Is it a, a numbers or is it a? We'll go numbers. I wish we had a sheet because sometimes when you just go off of one rating scale, it could kind of kind of get you off. Um, we, could, we should we should create like a rubric, right? And then it'd be like maybe four or five elements. One could be the acting. One can yeah, be the, so, the so, visuals. One and then. After that, we'll uh, average it all out, and we'll oh. be we'll be more prepared next time. One hundred percent. This is a cool conversation, though. Yeah. So, okay, here we could do for for now. We could do um, the story, mm-hmm. like what do you rate it from that? The okay. act, the acting could be another metric, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, um, hmm, what's it like? Another element. Um. So you got the acting, story. Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. I don't know what the other one can be. I don't know. What is something that's not so like technical? I, I guess the the thing for me would be like an emotional connection to it or authenticity. Authenticity. But I I don't. Cause I think that would only apply to this movie though. True. Say if we're watching Star Wars, we're not really looking for like authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> did Chewbacca? Did he, did he play a good alien? <laughs> <laughs> I would say in this movie you could say authenticity. Mm-hmm. I, I, you could because it's it's you know not just a film about you know the street gangs and that. There's a certain element because of the culture that's mm-hmm. put in it. So it would be Mexican. So how authentic was um, the movie overall? I'm not mm-hmm. even talking with Shia LaBeouf. How much was it? Yeah, but I just want something that we could use for for, for all, all everything. Everything we got do it. Now. Okay, we so, just start with those two. Those two. Story so, and acting. Story and acting. Yeah. I say story out of what? Out of ten stars. Out of ten, I will give it six point five. Okay, I, I'm right. I, I, 
<laughs> yeah, I would give it. I would give it around there. Yeah. 6.5. So yeah. So yeah, you had six point five for story, and I, I guess me and Keith agree. Are you at six or six point five? I would say six and a half. Yeah. Okay. In acting, I'm gonna say out of ten stars, I will give the acting in it eight point five. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right in there. 8.5. I'll give it 8.5. Yeah. Because the, the acting was good. It's definitely good. Yeah. Well, I won't say great because that would take the whole cast. Um, but I will say it was de- very good acting. And well, we can have an overall scale also. What is your overall rating of the film? That could also be another one. That's what I'm saying. So what I would what I would <laughs> like to do with the rubric, uh-huh. and we got those two, maybe add a few more once we actually sit down and think about it. Hmm. But it, what would happen, you know, you know, in school, right, it'd right. be like, if you're writing an essay, they'll be like, what was your thesis? What was your, 100%. the structure of your, all these things. And then you have a scale and then you average all those numbers out. Right. So what I want to do is like have four or five things and then one could be six, one could be seven, one could be 10. And then create and an then average. average all those and be like, yes, that's the, a trucker's mind review of the movie. Wow, that's a good one. It kind of reminds me of that guy that does the car reviews. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he takes all these different elements. He gets style points. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets uh, the interior. The drivability. He, the drivability. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the was it the, uh, what was another one? Like the engineering. Yeah. He gets all these different elements and he creates an overall. And you'd be like, wow, that is so low. Yeah. But you got to think about it. Like there are so many other layers to a film. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different layers or, or technical things with cars. So you can't just say, that's a 10. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's exactly. a 10. Mm-hmm. Because it may get poor, poor gas mileage. And how much will that poor gas mileage bring the overall rating down? Yeah. That's why sometimes like when you see these reviews online, um, they don't hold much merit because there's no right. context behind it. Right. right, right so right, right. something could be, like I said before, if somebody went into this movie watching this movie is like Shia LaBeouf is not Mexican. And every time he talks, Shia LaBeouf is not Mexican. They just hate that, the movie off of that. Yeah, you, you're not going to like the movie. So yeah. um, that's why I think the way we we'll, we would do it is uh, you know much. I think that's context. why we we gave the story so low of a score mm-hmm. because that Shia LaBeouf's character I felt it was a good one, but mm-hmm. there's no real context behind where he came from. Yeah, his name is just Creeper. That's his street name, though. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, they gotta. I don't know. Yeah, it, it could have been even if you. So what what we're taught to do is, we're taught to uh, basically introduce the most important elements of a character within the first five minutes or so. So if we, even if it doesn't necessarily have to be a flashback, but maybe a conversation between That's a good David point. and Creeper. That's a like, good yo, point. Like yo, man, back in whatever you know when you know when I got this cauliflower on my ears when I was boxing or whatever when I was wrestling and you were doing and then. That just, you know, you could take off. Yeah. yeah. It's like something so small could be so huge. Yeah. Right? I think it would have been cool if they were like in grade school or fourth grade mm-hmm. and, you know, somebody's trying to tease um, Creeper's character and it's like, get out of here, white boy, whatever the case. Mm-hmm. Like somehow saying that he's either Mexican or white or whatever mm-hmm. his origin story is or his mother and father pick him up and they're both white mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever the case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, OK, he's not portraying a Mexican character. Maybe he is just really close friends and he grew up with this guy and his family took Creeper in. Mm-hmm. So we don't know that. Maybe the family took Creeper in. Yeah. But there's no real context. Yeah, there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we got to give it a 6.5, man. If we had <laughs> if we had more, I think it would go, if, if you had just added that element in there, it would have went from a 6. So much point, stuff up. It would have went to about an 8, probably about an 8. 
to 8.5. You know what happens too is because that becomes the conversation. Right, like exactly. Instead of saying like, yo, is this movie good or bad? Right. It's more so like, is Shia LaBeouf Mexican or is he white? Or, right. You know? Yeah, so. Right. And and here's the thing is, is I jumped, I didn't jump out the window, but I said, do you have a problem with Shia LaBeouf playing a Mexican character? And people said no, but I'm saying there's a Mexican character when I don't have enough proof to really prove that that's the case. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just assuming he's a fair-skinned or like a fair-skinned Mexican person mm-hmm. in the movie, but it's like hmm. it's that element of not knowing is just it just that's the divide in the room, right? It's the element of not knowing something that you should know. Yeah, in yeah. a film like this, you should know it. And it was it was, it's an easy way to clear it up, you know, just right. a conversation or you know a flashback or whatever, whatever. Yeah. It if they, what if they would have said he was Puerto Rican or something? That's, I know Puerto Ricans that look just like that. Yeah, like Pitbull. That's the, that's the thing, though. It's like it. it oh, I got it. They should have let Pitbull play that role, man. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do know. Um, I do, I know a guy named Corey Steele, uh-huh. and he's from. Uh, he's half Puerto Rican and half white, but he he looks he's he just looks white. Exactly. You wouldn't even know. But yeah. he's from Florida, so they have that. You know all that. All yeah. that caribbean culture out there and stuff man that's crazy mm-hmm. that's a trip because you if you look at the movie now you can't unsee this in certain angles mm-hmm. uh shot above be low-key looking like pitbull a little bit <laughs> <laughs> they're about to do a drive-by mentirosa 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 <laughs> that was fun. yeah man well it looks like we came to the end of this one yeah um we did the best we could with the uh with the uh rating score but we mm-hmm. will have a better system next time yeah, man. Uh, until then, you've reached. Uh, oh, what, one away. thing before. Um, I don't know. You know, wh- whoever uh, out there is listening, and you know, you guys have any movie suggestions, and, and maybe yes. something that like you you've seen on right. Netflix or something. Doesn't have to be a new movie. Come. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be a new movie either. Just shoot us a. I'm saying shoot shoot Eddie a DM, shoot me a DM or text or whatever, and then we could we could review the movie. Oh, definitely, man. Or we could rewatch it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I definitely. Uh, Until then, you've reached episode one of A Trucker's Mind Movie Reviews. Thank you for listening. All right. Peace. Peace.